0: So hi, this is Sharon from the Modern Savvy CPA. And I am finally, um, on my last show topic for smart money habits, financial literacy, uh, series today, we're going to discuss why we're all doing this. Why we are, uh, why we are, um, why do we have our first nine topics? Why do we think it's important to follow these things and to to be to to understand and, and um these nine first topics for our overall financial literacy um and and the main reason is and I'm gonna tell you that up front is for our well being and it's not about the actual money although it is something that we money is a part of our society it's a part of our life it's a part of what we do but it's not about the actual money so we're gonna dig a little deeper into you know why we make certain decisions about money and where we go wrong because we believe that money is a thing and and it's it's it has its own emotions and it has its own thing but it doesn't have its own emotions or its own thing it's we put emotions on it so this is kind of the root of all financial literacy it's something that without this is the reason so we're going to go into two things we're going to go into why we're doing this and then we're going to go into how to find out what the formula is for each one of us. It, it's going to be a different formula, but what is the formula for um, doing this the right way for us? You know, managing our money, like I've used this quote before where we say money is a great servant, but a terrible master. So for most of us without even realizing we are, we make money our master. So my goal in teaching you financial literacy and for me to focus on smart money habits is for you to make better money choices. And the way to do that is through financial literacy, but also understand the emotions that you attach to money. So so this is our, our last topic of our top 10 topics on smart money habits, and we're going to go on and start talking about it. So like I said, the first part of this is the the emotions that we give to money so a lot of the times money is just such a taboo subject finances is a taboo subject we get something in the pit of our stomach we start panicking we have headaches you know all these things when we're thinking about money i'm going to tell you the first time i got a mortgage and we had to make our first mortgage payment and this is way before the main use of internet and automatic pay, these are check writing days. Um, so when we did this, and that doesn't go back more than a little, little over two decades ago, um, I was so freaked out about the mortgage being late and how is it going to affect my credit and all these things that, that, that it was affecting me because I didn't educate myself about credit and I didn't educate myself about You know, it was such a pit in my stomach. I attached that, my emotion to that money. So we're going to talk about your emotions, your money, and how you can control your money instead of your money controlling you. And there's a fine line. We're always teetering on that line. So we always have to be able to to work on that fine line. So the one way is, you know, you treat money like it is math. We think of it like, you know, when it comes to money, we should be able to make decisions based on logic, reason, rational thinking. When, When it comes to emotions, we go to emotions first before we think about something rational. No matter what it is, our first thing when we think about any topic, including money, including finances, it doesn't matter what it is. We go to the emotions first and we go into irrational behavior. So what we want to do is be able to logic, reason, and rationalize money. So, you know, you, we want to make sure that you, that's what we do. A lot of beha- many behavioral experts on finance will tell you that, you know, we don't do that, that we don't treat money with logic. We don't treat money with reason. We don't treat money rationally. And we stop at the irrational stage. So don't get me wrong, for me, we start off with the irrational stage. We know that in everything that we do, we, we start off with the irrational stage. Um, and then, we, so we have to take a step back, And just look at it and try to be rational, just like everything else in our life. Like if something happens, you know, where there's a fire and we're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we have to do this. Then, and if we continue with that, then we're always going to be outing fires and and being irrational about things. But we have our pity party, we have our irrational stage, and then we we take a step back and we think, start reasoning, we start being logical, and we start being rational about money. And this is the way to do it. And one of the ways that one the first way to do it is to educate yourself about money. You know, educate. It is so important to educate yourself, your fine, your family, you know, your you know, you need to be educating your kids. You need to have overall financial literacy power. And the way to do that is the first thing is to educate yourself. You want to make sure that you understand um, what money really is. And it is a means to – it is not – it is is a means. It is part of our whole package. It is not our whole package. It should not be the only thing that controls, you know, it should be one of the legs, but it shouldn't be all of the legs. So we want to make sure that that's what we're doing. You know, so, so as we, we go through, we, you know, we, most of us attributes money with wealth, intelligence, style, even human worth. I mean, we think money has a personality, but money does not have a personality. But it reflects our feelings, our values, our behaviors. The importance of money has to do with the ability to, you know, endow. it, it it, It affects our freedom, so we decide. So numbers can't do that. It's us that's doing that. So we have to find a way to use money for what it is and it being the servant so it doesn't control you know when someone is serving they're not controlling they're serving so when something is serving it's serving it's not controlling you're the master you control you know so you have that so we you know we, we attach so many emotions on money you know we attach anger when it comes to you know um health, inconsistency wages, we, debt, we attach anger to all of that. with you know, with societies, we attach all those pressures that can be overwhelming. We attach that. Shame is one of the things that's attached to money. I see that all the time. People, you know, have a outside persona when it comes to money and they have an inside persona when it comes to money. And trust me, I do tax return and look at people's finances for a living. And I know that those two do not equal. Most of the time it does not equal. So, you know, we, the shame manifests to, 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 to a variety of things in our lives. It, it, it becomes, it comes into our relationship, our interactions with love, our interactions with our partner, you know? So, but shame is rarely a part of our conversation. It's just the inner thing that we do. You know, we also attach elation to money. You know, we finally experience elation when it comes to you get bonuses. You know, you attach those things. You know, you got you got things. You know, you buy something. You attach elations to that. That's money. You know, when we're paying attention to, to those type of things, we get that euphoria. I know I get the euphoria when I get myself a new pair of shoes, which... I know it's an emotional thing, so sometimes I put the shoe in my cart and I think about it, and that's when I decide. And I and I and I go really deep, dig deep. Should I get this pair of shoes? I it, I know it's not a need and it's a want, so it depends. So if I'm putting the right tag on it, then I need to know, you know, it's not a need and it's a want. Am I comfortable with it being a want? So understanding, yes, you might need a new pair of shoes, but you might not need those red bottoms from Snack Sacks, or Neiman Marcus. So I have issues with those because I like shoes and bags. So I need to always assess my buying of shoes and bags and whether it's a need or want in, in the situation. And I'll tell you what, most of the times it's not a need, it's a want. So I need a handbag, but I don't need a $2,000 handbag. I need a pair of shoes, but I don't need a $1,000 pair of shoes. So, you know, understanding the between the needs and the wants. So, you know, don't lie to yourself about money. One of the things that we do all the time is and, and we convince ourselves that something that's a want is a need and that's the emotional part of this when we're convincing ourselves that that we need a pair of shoes and it needs to be a red bottom we know that's not a need that's a want so you know we we need to understand you know the differences between needs and wants living in america you need a pair of shoes yes and you can get a pair of shoes where we don't live in a third world country so you can go to walmart or you could go to the 99 cent store and get a flip flops for a dollar 25 but so you will have something on your foot in most places in the third world you probably won't be able to do that but in america you can get something on your foot for a dollar 25 you can also get a ten thousand dollar pair of shoes Both of those things are something on your foot. They cover your foot. Do you, you have to decide which one you want because one of those are going to make or break your budget. You have to decide which one you can truly afford because you, your want will be that thousand dollar pair of shoes. Your need will be a pair of shoes. So it varies between $1.25 and tens of thousands of dollars. So we need to understand that. So the first thing, one of the first things that you need to do is change how you identify and understand your feelings with money. You need to be true to yourself. One of the first things that I notice with people like, oh, I really don't spend a lot. Oh, I really don't do this. They're lying to themselves. And one of the reasons that people do not track their spending, one of the, the number one thing I see that people do not track their spending and then they complain that they don't have money whether it's in your business or it's personally is because they don't want to look at it once you look at it you will see where you're wasting you will see where you're putting your money you will see you know how you're doing you don't have to live cheaply you can live frugal to me living frugal means that i'm watching everything that i spend and I'm understanding what I'm doing with my money. And I'm comfortable with what I'm doing with my money. So you want to make sure that you are comfortable with what you're doing. So my feeling is the 50-30-20 budget. That's what I use. You know, the 50% in, on the living expenses. The, the 30% is on on the, the variables. And then the 20% is on savings or debt. It's what we pay on savings or debt. So... What you spend your 30 on could be one pair of shoes, but you have enough to be spending a lot. So you you need to be able to first diversify how you prefer to have your stuff if you want it to be 60, 20, 30. I mean, it depends on what, you know, which is, you know, housing costs, fixed costs cost of things that you need to support yourself. 20 is your variable, 30 is your variable cost and 20 is your savings or debt. So um, if you're doing good, then the 20 will go straight to savings, investing, you know, your goal pots that we talk about. So, you know, you want to make sure that you understand How that works, you want to make sure that you're following what you want, what you're comfortable following. And the only way that you're going to do that is to track what you're doing. So by not looking or putting the blinders on, on your numbers, or by not tracing your numbers and seeing what you're spending, I don't believe in doing a budget without understanding where your money is going in the first place, understanding your money habits. If you don't understand your money habits, you can't make them smart. You know, you can't know if you don't know what kind of money habits you have, you can't make them smart. You can't make better money choices on that. So that's one of the things that you need to do. So, you know, um, setting good financial goals like we're talking about, you know, is when you attempt. So when you attempt to buy, uh, buy something, like I said, you ask yourself, is this is this where I'm achieving to? Where I'm going with with buying my gore so so to me, the want section is two ways you know I, I i I might need a pair of shoes a new pair of shoes here, but what which pair of shoes will depend on how much discretionary funds I have to spend on other things so you have to make which discretionary is your priority and one of the ways that you do that is by tracking understand what you're spending your money on. Divide your tracking into what's the main things that happens, the housing and all of the other variables, all of the other costs that's involved in you living, then your 30% is your variable. That's the part that changes a lot. Then your 20% is your savings. So you can change those numbers, those percentage one way or another, but you know, you you decide that, you know. So you have to use your willpower here. So you have that willpower. You, if you tell yourself that you don't, you, you're lying to yourself. So one of the things that I cannot stress enough and I see a lot of clients do is they lie to themselves about, oh, I, I, I really can't afford that. Oh, I really can't do this. Or I really can't do that. You know, why you can't do that is because you're prioritizing something else. You, if you're not saving 20%, what, you know, what are you doing with your variables? If you're sending your child to private school, is that, a, is that a need or is that a want? Because in America, public schools are free, but you have to decide what your priorities are if you can afford to do that. You know, so you need to make sure that that's one of the things you look at. What kind of car you're getting? You know, we've had several of our experts talk about um our car payment and how a car payment can be the reason that you cannot get a mortgage. So, understanding you need a car. You in a, it, we I live in South Florida. We need cars. We don't have much public transportation. So, which car do you need? Do you need the car that you're you're going to be um you know, you can get a car for $20,000. You can get a car for $5,000 when it comes to a, a, a used car, but then you can get a Land Rover. You can get all these other cars that my children point out because I have boys and they're pointing out on the street um, that cost two, three $300,000, which would be like a house to me, but you can get that too. So that's also where you are turning a need into a want. So that's a line that I see so many blurs in. Everybody's like, but I need a car. Yeah, but you have a Mercedes and you're paying eleven hundred dollars a month for leasing it. So do you really need a Mercedes with an eleven hundred dollar a month um thing? That's an emotional thing. So you have to get out of that and start thinking rationally about your money. Start thinking about what you need. You need a car. You do not need a Mercedes. You do not need to lease the Mercedes for $1,100 a month. So those are things that that, that you need to talk about. So there was a, there was a Harvard study that um, I was reading on when I was doing my research on the emotions of money. And I'll have to tell you, this last topic is is one of the most difficult topics for me to talk about because it's something that has to hit you in a certain way. And I want to be able to get to you guys, um, where it, once you make this part, once you have achieved some level of this part, the other nine things that we talked about first are not going to be, um, that hard because this is the emotional. So the study said, you know, it examined the impact of parents, home ownership, wealth on home buying prospects of children, you know, between the 1999 and 2015 it focused on young adults between the age of 18 and 34 who are likely to be first time home buyers and have a few financial research, fewer financial resource. So well, the the study found that having home buying parents increases on a young adult likelihood of being a homeowner by 7 to 8%. Additionally, a 10% increase in parents' wealth increases as the as the young adult likelihood of of buying to 15% from to By 15 to 20%. So, you know, for example, if your parents' wealth is $200,000, so let me explain this. If your parents' wealth is $200,000, the young adult would have a 50% likelihood of owning a home. If your parents' wealth is $260,000 instead, uh, factoring factoring in everything else the same, the young adult's home ownership prospect is between 54 and 56 percent parental wealth includes financial assets non-financial assets such as homes automobiles of course we minus out the debt there and the parents tenure status wealth increase once that increases that explains between a 12 and a 13% difference in own home ownership between black and white young adults. So there is a disparity between races when it comes to this. But, you know, I am an immigrant, and I don't fall into either one of those categories, and I'm telling you from someone with her father who came with $100 in her pocket And I have achieved some of this and beyond. I can tell you it's possible if you follow, you know, these 10 steps that we've just talked about. If you um, have your literacy on all of these, if you start learning smart money money habits. So and the thing is, we have to balance our emotions with the money. We have to make sure that we are... um, we are we know what we're doing we have to make sure that we need to we know how to save we have to make sure that we are balancing our debt we're looking at our retirement all the things that we've talked about in the first nine topics that we're talking about so you know we have to make sure that we've done all of this we're looking at this we're looking at our life we're looking at what it is and how we're balancing that out you know so Money has a huge impact on many people's lives. As a result, it's a natural thing to get attached to. It's a great deal of emotions that you can attach to money. It's easy to attach yourself to money. We are going to be attached to emotionally to money. We just have to find a way to work around that. So we want to make sure that we're doing, we're, 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 working out our pity party with the money, and then we take our time and think logically. After we've had the irrational behavior with the money, before we make that decision, we, we should know ourselves enough that this is irrational and we need to look at this. You know, So, you know, um, a Northern Mutual Planning and Prospect study also found that while 68% of Americans feel good about their financial situation, a substantial amount of people also report feeling these negative emotions regularly. They feel 54% feel anxiety, 52% feel financial insecurity, you know, 48% feels fear. So while 68% of you do feel like you're doing well with your money, you still have these other emotions that are involved in here. So it's how you get comfortable with these emotions and get past these emotions. It's not like it's not going to be there. It's going to be there. It gets easier once you you learn how to handle it. So, you know, money is also, you know, a dominant source a source of stress. So, we want to make sure that we know, you know, we we on un- we understand the anxiety, distress, and everything be- behind it, but I cannot tell you the number one issue is the denial and defense mechanism. That is what we use all the time. To, because we have such low self-esteem on money, we we don't we 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 don't address our money issues and our financial goals. And then it gets worse. We get into our holes and we don't address these things. And 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 we. But I'm here to tell you that it's never too late to do that. It's never too late to address your anxiety, your fears, you know, admit to yourself what your money issues are. I'm very sorry, but today we don't have AC in the studio, so you're going to have to excuse my very shiny face when I'm talking about all of this because the lights are making me sweat. <laughs> so, um, so the, the end all be all anyways is, you know, you don't want to have any regret. anger, You want to be comfortable with what you're buying. So before you decide on what you're buying and before you decide on how you spend your money, you need to be able to support your decision. So you can't just support your decision today. You need to be able to support your decision six months from now or a year from now or whatever. Now, you know, let's talk about keeping up with the Joneses. Most of our financial problems when it comes to making a need into a want is having to do with jealousy and keeping up with the Joneses. The grass is always greener on the other side. We always say until we get on the other side and we realize things aren't what they seem. I am telling you, I, like I said, I do, I look at people's finances for, for a living. So, You trying to keep up with the Joneses is you don't know what is in the Joneses bank account. You only know what kind of car the Joneses drive because money is a very personal thing. Nobody talks about their finances behind. Nobody knows what the person's books is. Nobody knows what the person's finances, their debt is, or anything. We only know that they drive a BMW. We only know that they live in a big house. We only know that that's what might be a rich person. But is that a wealthy person? A rich person is. Someone, in my opinion, a rich person is someone who makes six figures, they're able to make money, they're able to make lots of money, but they're not necessarily wealthy because they're not, not a lot of the times, they're not able to keep that money. Wealthy people are people with assets, people that have assets that are able to to hold on to their assets assets is something it's a balance sheet of the person. It's something that you keep from year to year to year, you know, a rich person, they make so much money in one year. Are they able to keep some of that? So, you know, diversifying, making sure that you're living, you know, at your means and slightly below your means is when you're able to save that 20% in whatever field you're necessary. So, you know, Free yourself from the jealousy and free yourself from the channels of feelings or motivate motivate yourself to work harder and have your financial goals. Do not look at what the Joneses are doing. It's great that they're doing great. It's great that they're... But they're in charge of their money. You're in charge of your money. You know, get get an emotional balance with your money. You want to make sure that you're emotionally balanced. You know, you want to make sure that you can relate to... to what you're doing. You want to make sure that you understand that because in the end, what are we doing this for? What are we, what is our finance goal in the end? Our finance goal is to live a content, happy, fruitful life. And we want to be able to use money as our servant to help us do that. So that does not mean you live on one end or the other end. What do I mean by the different ends? So my problem with society today is that we're too much on one side and we're too much on the other side. So let's talk about that. So how I see people most of the time. Is most people are on one side where their instant gratification, right? They believe in instant gratification. They want it now, they don't care how much it costs, they don't know they don't they don't know, you know, they don't they're always broke because they don't track their money, they're not looking at it, they're overspending, they're doing all the things that they want now, they're not thinking about anything. And then there are people on the other side who live so far below their means. That all they do is look at the money that they have in the bank, they deprive themselves of things, they're all that's what you know what makes them happy is what's the money growing. So they're wealthy, but are they living? These people are rich, but are they living? So what you want to do is come to the middle, find your middle balance emotion with money. You want to make sure that, when you know, you're know you not instant gratification and you're not deprivation, you're in the middle. You're, because the purpose of money is to make sure that you live a balanced, well life. That's the main purpose of money. You send your kids to college. You You make all your financial goals is to reach these goals. And the goals are all for the betterment of the life that you're living here on earth. You know, so... God gives us all enough for us to, I believe that God gives us all enough in certain situations for us to work with. So today, whatever God gave me is enough. My job is to find a way to make that work for me. Tomorrow, that enough might be a different number. Only with my spiritual thinking is God knows what that enough is. So that's how I live life. I try to use my enough today to make things work for me. And the way to do that is to, is to not, um, you know hold it aside like i've told you the bible story already of the three pe- the, the the three sons who the father gave them each five shillings one of them buried it in the backyard cuz he's going to save it he's not going to you know he's not going to do anything with it the other one went and enjoyed everything with it the other one went and invested it in his five cows enjoyed the time that he spent with his cows and 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 multiplied his cows so I want you to be the son that goes out there, track your money, spend your money, be comfortable with what you're doing, tell yourself the truth about your emotions, and that is why we had these other nine topics, is to get to the point of contentment, well-being, and using money as our servant and not our master. This is Sharon, the modern savvy CPA. And thank you for listening to this series. And I will be coming up with a next series on my next show.